Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, welcome, regardless of where you are. I'm Ray Rossini. This is MSP Community Live. And joining me as always is Mr. Matt Topper. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing awesome. I love doing this show. It's a break from meetings, chance to talk real stuff. Yeah, it's cool. It's It gives us a justifiable reason to talk about the stuff we're already talking about all day. But now it's work. So it is work. I'll take it. I'll take it. So uh, any uh, any excitement for you this morning? Or this week? This week, um, we'll we'll talk about it towards the end too. Um, we're starting a fundraiser for IT Nation, similar to the the beard shave last year, Canine for Warrior. So, uh, look for more info on that from various people's LinkedIn profiles and around IT Nation. It's a really good cost to support. So we're we're excited about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, you know, the beard shave last year that went all throughout the uh, the days of uh, IT Nation Connect was fun and crazy, uh, and insanely successful for the uh, charitable works. Uh, so happy to see that uh, happening again. That's pretty awesome. Uh, speaking of IT Nation coming up and conferences, we're already preparing for MSP GeekCon. They, that email went out this morning. Um, if you don't know, if you're not subscribed to the emails, go to MSP Geek, uh, to the Slack or Discord and go join the MSP GeekCon channel and, uh, for all the fun news, um, what should we call it? So we have stuff. I was at DattoCon this week. I was at, uh, what should we call it? Uh, we were over there covering, you know, MSPs, covering some of the interviews, some of the product announcements, um, good time got to hang out with kelvin and ashley for like two seconds uh, you know nice nice and, and, you know yeah the the normal working stuff um it's cool they're they're focusing on some things uh the reason i bring it up they're focusing on some things that i would not have we see it every day um but i probably they're putting it together in a way I, I, maybe we haven't thought about before so grc governance um uh, the documentation, compliance, uh, processes, procedures, we're all familiar with. Um, we're all familiar with the framework style of security, right? The, you know, we're, we're pretty, um, we're pretty well versed in that. Um, they're including PCI compliance as part of a security stack, not because it's any different than any of the other security, but, you know, obviously they bought connect booster, uh, about two, uh, about a year ago, um, or two and a half years ago. Uh, so they're actually now, if you're using Connect Booster, they're handling the PCI compliance and they're counting it as part of, as part of GRC, right? Your, um, GRC. Well, I would count PCI as part of GRC. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, whatchamacallit. I thought it was an interesting take because MSPs do often fill out those questionnaires. MSPs, there is a technical component of those questionnaires. There's absolutely a process and procedure component of them. Um, and I don't see them any different than those cyber insurance questionnaires where you're speaking about something that you may not have a hundred percent act, you know, awareness of. Um, so it's interesting. Have you given that security is your world? Have you ever seen PCI like lumped in with that in the same policies and procedures you do everything else? It, it seems always, always been the, the also ran to me. Um, what, what, so the thing about PCI and really all of those frameworks is that the framework itself is not your security program, right? Your program needs to target 
complying with PCI as one of its objectives. But PCI specifically is nowhere near broad enough to really base a whole program around, right? It's very prescriptive and limited to where you have uh, cardholder data. Um, so I, I do see it as far, right? I've definitely seen the questionnaires. We've had clients ask us to fill those out. Um, you know, clients give us the questionnaire, assume they're doing everything. Then we have to have the uncomfortable conversation of you're doing maybe half of this. Um, mm. But I, I always see it as your security program needs to have a list of objectives. And one of those objectives is we need to comply with these various frameworks. We, you know, SOC 2, PCI, TMMC, what, whatever applies to that org. You base it on that and rather than saying this framework is going to form the basis of our program. That's that's backwards to me. <laughs> Yeah. What was that? I, I you cut out on the very last part about backwards. Oh, I just it, it's backwards to think that you're going to base your security program around a framework, right? I, I shouldn't say it that way, around a, a compliance regulation, right? It, it's not that um, my security program is PCI, my security program is SOC 2. It's my security program is probably influenced by CSF or something like that. And then we yeah. also add one of our objectives is to meet PCI compliance. PCI is kind of, I agree though, PCI is kind of an outlier because one, it's really only applies to the cardholder. And really the hardest part of PCI is figuring out which SAQ to use. Um, right. And it's very, very prescriptive, unlike SOC 2 or some of the other frameworks where, you know, they're, they're a little more high level, like have a, a, have a plan to do this. PCI is very, passwords need to expire after X days, right? Like very easy well, to implement also, in that way. I, I love those PCI scans when you tell me you use a web-based uh, credit card terminal and they scan your office's IP like that has any bearing on anything <laughs> and you fail. <laughs> and it's like, I know, I know. Why? Or, or if they scan you and you do the proper thing, which is drop, not reject, and because you don't want to make yourself a target and then they complain that they can't scan you properly because they're not getting a response which is the proper security posture but you know i get that but, one though i get that do one. you know why tell me so so i like to think of it as i want my systems to be secure even if the firewall isn't there right yeah. and so if there's a vuln that could be exploited by having something inside running that same thing i want that caught and then just add the extra bonus of the firewall on top of that at the edge i if it's presented as that i would agree with you 100 percent. you know if we're also where you're doing it from is just as much at risk as your you know payment terminal we want to make sure you're not giving you know unfettered access you know, upnp is not available externally that kind of thing right i'd be 100 percent behind it. they don't describe it as that um, that is absolutely probably the intention behind it. And with that, I would 100% agree. Um, but like with most error messages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. They never say it that way. They just say, we can't yeah. scan you and you fail. Yeah. It's like, how hard would it be just to communicate properly? But then again, I'm fighting with new teams also because they took away the save feature, which I use every day. Um, so anyway, I'm just. But we I'm talked about it. There's no electron. It's better. It's better because it does less things. That. Uh, I hate new teams, so I'm using Teams Web because we're hit by that. Okay, have you been hit by the Teams bug where you can only see your call screen on mobile? You can't actually see mm -hmm. any of the other screens? No. 
So <clears throat> we're going through that. There's an open uh, there's an open bug report. I'll actually have Simon uh, put it in the uh, chat or in the show notes afterward, um, where teams uh, on mobile and this was originally an iOS bug. Now it's Android too. Will only show uh, your call screen. If you get a message from somebody or they tag you, you get the notifications. You can respond to the notifications. It'll show you the full thread. The minute you hit back, it takes you back to the call screen and you can't chat. If you get a DM, you'll see it. You can't respond back. It'll say chat has been disabled by the administrator, which is not accurate. Um, it only affects the latest version of Teams on mobile, on iOS and Android, and it's not everybody. Um, but we have probably, I've been having it for several weeks. Um, six or seven of my staff are going through it now. And then I confirm with, you know, other MSP and we confirm with Microsoft, mm -hmm. uh, it's the same KB. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a fun one. So, so I think what they're saying is never leave the office. Just don't use teams and mobile mobile. I was going to say don't update, but yours probably is more secure. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> we'll go, we'll go with yours. We'll go. Yours is probably the better one. Um, you know, I, I actually don't think I've taken a Teams call on my phone in the past week or two. So maybe I am being hit with it. Like, I, it, it's weird. I work remote now, so I rarely leave the house during working hours, right? So it's it's just yeah. not not often that I take a Teams call on my Android. I wish I could, man. I, it, like, and it's not even, I don't care about the, the calling part of it. I care that, like, I can't. You know how it is. Well, like it's like but not being able to check email, right? Like so, not being able to check Teams, that's rough. Like I was at Disney this past week or two weekends ago, and it was nice. It was fun, but I did have a bit of anxiety because I couldn't look at my phone, which is probably for the best. You know, whatever. I think it's because oh, like it's working again. right in in what I do now, mm. most of my communication is with people outside of my own company, right? So I spend a lot more time texting or LinkedIn messaging or that kind of stuff than than teams internal meetings yeah that's i don't know so let's let's get back to the uh let's get to the stories uh or the the threads this week as we'd like that's to do. a story i bet there was a thread on the teams bug there i guarantee you there was um actually i'd be i don't see i didn't it. see it but i i bet there yeah. was one yeah we can't I, discuss I, it now though we just discussed it <laughs> right all right let's see what we have uh let me bring that up all right so these are the stories we have uh for us right now uh we have chromium vendor announcement you want to uh, i think we talked about this last week yeah it's nine days old we did talk about we it we did oh, Any Looney tunables. on your side oh, um, Looney tunables is cool you know what's not cool another cute name for a bone like can we stop this please okay see i was giving him credit for this though i i, I kind of like so it. tired of this yeah and, and for anybody that's wondering yes this is very self-serving this is msp dispatch that we just uh we just played today uh just before this episode but uh the looney tunables i like it better i mean it's i like the naming conventions because they're interesting and they do get more attention, right? Heartbleed. I know. Um, I hate that. You know, that's true. Nightmare. You're, you're right. I love it. I love it. What What do you hate about it? Talk to me. So, I think my issue with it is that 
some of the, not this one necessarily, but some of these volumes that come out with a cute name, you almost feel like more effort went into the name and trying to like almost build a brand around this than, um, <clears throat> than the security concern, right? Like just call it CVE, whatever, super important. And, and I get it, right? It's good for awareness and people talk about it, but it's not a marketing campaign. It's not a branding campaign. And I, I get the feeling that when, when you do that and when you, give these names and some of them even have like logos and like websites yeah. and I probably you could buy a t-shirt from them. Um, it, it's like, to me, that says that the researcher cares more about the, the clout and the brand than the bug. But is this always the researcher or is this, you know, well, I don't know. Like I don't know if Looney Tunables was the community named it or the, the researcher named it, but I am in favor of naming things bug in whatever or <laughs> cve whatever yeah i um i don't know like i i kind of liked it uh i i like that it makes it easier to discuss with uh let's call them muggles non non-tech savvy people <laughs> um because you know not not don't get me wrong cve 2023-16752 does rolls off the tongue i mean that's just sexy but how many times you're going to repeat that in average conversation with a non-tech person right now if they say i saw some new outbreak with looney tunes you're going to be able you're going to be able to identify and have that conversation with them because like the mgm hack some of this stuff yeah i i see you're I right and i hate that you're right i'll, I'll leave it i think it's that. an awareness thing i think it's no different than making a clickbaity so it gets better awareness and in that i don't disagree i don't i don't find that as a negative I, i'm just going to leave it as I acknowledge you're correct and still hate the, the clever names. <laughs> it's fine. I, I would say has, uh, is a clever name. Like let, let, let's not. Yeah. Let's, know, let's give credit. Yeah, where that's credit's a good name. Regardless we'll of how we that. feel about the practice, the name is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So my takeaway, have you done any research on the Looney Tunables um, at all? No, I, so I opened, I opened the blog post, got so annoyed about the name that I totally never even read it. <laughs> uh, well, it's going to come up here. It is in the, um, it is in the, whatchamacallit, uh, the show notes, that same thread. Um, of course, it doesn't want to come up now. Uh, but basically, it's it's a bug where, or it's a zero day that uh, gets you root access to Linux systems. Like uh, many of the other ones, my opinion is it still requires interactive access. So yeah. while it's, oh my gosh, the world is ending uh it still requires interactive interactive access so not too worried about it um, and like many of the other ones i suspect right the remediation is update your stuff yeah all right let's see what else we have here let's go into i went to the wrong place um we have thoughts on automation re automated remediation Ooh, that's a good one yeah i kind of like that one all right, what are people's thoughts on auto remediation and event-driven automation? Uh, I see companies like Netflix, Twilio, and Facebook have built internal tools for this type of thing. Uh, I'm looking for, I'm looking to bring something similar in our, to our team for runbook automation. Wondering if anybody has looked into this. Um, in the security world, that's called SOAR, right? Um, where you're having automated re remediation based on security events. Um, mm -hmm. The rest of the world, DevOps, automation engineering, <clears throat> ish um I, I don't know if i'd even qualify this as auto remediation 
as far as much as I would just say uh, trigger based actions. You know what I mean? Yes. Because I, I, you know, because remediation implies that there was some negative issue that occurred and you're trying to fix it. Um, you could just, I mean, desired state configuration is automated remediation. If you're using it through that lens, you're just Ooh, putting something back segue. in an automated fashion. Yeah. Right. The, so talk to me. That's here. the difference. So mm -hmm. the, the examples that they listed, right? Netflix, Facebook, all those guys are unique in that, or, or not unique, but different than many environments we run around is that their deployment is all IAC to begin with, right? That's the yeah. difference, right? So yes, if anything gets messed up with a Netflix server, it gets blown up and redeployed. Um, and so in, in that form of auto-remediation, they're, they're not auto-remediating necessarily component level things at the VM or container level. They're destroying the whole thing, starting over, and they can do that because it's all auto-deployed easily. Kind of the same thing right. that we're starting to get into as an industry with like autopilot, right? If something happens yeah. with the machine, you nuke it and redeploy, and the onus is on you to make deployment seamless. Which is what that you know, Tony and I have talked about that over and over again. I, I love that. That's my favorite place to be. So, you know, you have your, you know, and I keep parking it back to desired state configuration because that's basically the earliest version of that I can recall at a mass scale. Um, but then you're just monitoring for drift and applying, yeah. re, you know, um, and just, you know, reapplying whatever configuration you had and going back to that original baseline. Um, that's one of my favorite things since the advent of uh, autopilot Intune um, when it was for, when it first came out of being able to do a Windows 10 reset was <clears> the <throat> first half of that, right? Being able to just reset and get back to a known working state very, very easily. Now you can do that Windows 10 reset, and as soon as you log in, you have all your stuff again. Yeah, I mean that's made life so much easier. I don't know about you, but I, I reset my devices probably at least once a year. Um, I'll wipe them out. For sure, my personal devices are in a personal 365 tenant, and if something gets messed up, um, get that reset and done. And yeah. it, it's it's nice for us because it trains us to um, get machines to a complete working state right after deployment, right? So it gives you pressure and incentive to not just get your settings deployed, but get your apps deployed, get the settings standardized, get everything like to a working state as opposed to the old world where it was, hey, maybe we'll get some apps deployed, but then a tech has to come and set everything up for half an hour or an hour afterwards. At least an hour, right? Like that's, you know, and not to mention, or you'd get the the device shipped to you, you set it up, configure it, do the whole thing on the bench, repack it, take it to the client, unpack it, put it out there, still do the <clears> user <throat> setup anyway. Right. Um, you know, so you were a couple hours in on a PC when hardware, you're not making a ton of money off hardware. So, you know, versus nowadays, you can just order, leave in the box, like to keep a spare in the office. You don't have to worry. It could be new in box. You just unpack it, turn it on, log in, join it to the Wi-Fi, log in, and you're good. And you can even automate that portion too, if you want. Yeah. Um, I, I love that kind of, it, it removes the dependency on specific devices. That makes it more Agreed. ubiquitous, right? Agreed. Your laptop doesn't work, grab another laptop, you're good to go. Um, I, I love that mentality. But, uh, you know, let's go to the auto, let's let's go to the auto remediation. Yeah, I, I guarantee I, you I some of the people mentioned that. Um, um, so, yeah, they went straight I, to I am, though, in favor of, like, if you find some, uh, 
setting that came up or you know something because if you're looking at the micro level of individual parts of a device or applications or you know vpn client got messed up can you redeploy that that kind of thing and that type yeah. of information which is i think what they're asking um yeah i think so i'm in favor of that too I, I think they just didn't realize they weren't saying that when they compared it to netflix that's a, a different animal yeah lots of software recommendations um <clears throat> yes absolutely why wouldn't you do this <laughs> i mean yeah I was kind of waiting for one of these kind of responses because you're an MSP. You should not be questioning if you should do automation. You should not question if you should do security. You should not question if you should do unique passwords. Um, but you know, we're all in different stages of our careers, so I, I get it. I do um, like the the second line of that answer above, um, which was have some mechanism to, you know, like if, if a service is crashing every five minutes, um, have some way to alert on that rather than constantly restarting it and saying everything's good. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, because a lot of times, you know, yes, restarting solves the issue, but it also removes many times whatever logs you needed, right. If there was something in memory. Um, yeah. so that's why I kind of like, and not, you know, there's tons of ways to do this. Um, the easy way, uh, tier two tickets, help desk buttons has a free tier for, I think up to 25 devices. Um, and when a user submits and other tools do this too, this is not, I'm just refer referencing tier two tickets cause we did a partner first with them. Um, but it actually records, it pre-records, um, actions so that if they submit a ticket, uh, it'll submit those previous actions up to the ticket and it just rotates that information that it's storing. Yeah. Um, so they're not storing it long-term. Um, and I thought that was a pretty elegant way to do it, to save the data, still be able to remediate, but not lose data you had access to. But yeah. that was kind of a cool thing. Um, it, it, it's another, don't spend too much time thinking about tool. Like whatever you're using for management can do remediation, I'm sure. Like 100%. just use that. Yeah. Um, all right. Does anyone have a contract to support? <laughs> Good luck. Um, yeah. Right. system admin. You know, so okay, so not so much on the system end, but assigning a tech directly to the client, that's the client's tech, either a dedicated one or somebody that, you know, you pods do this, right? That we have certain clients for certain groups of techs. Um, assign sysadmin, wondering how many of your clients get assigned sysadmins, all only big ones, how many clients get assigned to an admin? Um, very similar to pod infrastructure, pod structure. So What's your take on this, Matt? What did you guys do, uh, your MSP? Did you have this? This is a journey question, right? At the beginning, probably yes. And as you mature, you say, what are we doing? Assign them to a team or a pod. Yeah, um, I agree 100%. Um, I'd rather have a group of subject matter experts in different fields than a subject matter expert on the client. Um, you know what I mean? That that's to me the per field is much more scalable. It's much easier to manage. Um, still gives you the access you need for clients. You want to do the Kyle and guess what they uh, these five hundred eighty nine views responded to? I I'm guessing that they had answers to what we just, similar to what we just said. Uh, everyone is signed to <laughs> assigned to all our clients. Uh, at our highest contract level, that naturally led to playing favorites and inequality. So, new boss made a big old spreadsheet of how much effort time tickets users infra 
a client needed, then divide it up as balanced as reasonable. That's actually a very democratic method of uh, of doing that. It's interesting. Uh, looking at the resource, uh, the load each client took, and then balancing across teams by load. Hmm, um, I wonder if that creates a situation where be higher technically uh, companies with higher tech requirements, right? So fintech is a, is a good example. They have very niche stuff, um, very fast. They need to work extremely quickly, um, and they you know have very specific security uh, requirements. I wonder if that makes uh, if you're wor if you're lessening the what's the old saying? Uh, Jack of all trades is master of none. I get it. Finishes yeah. with. Uh, you know, it's still better than a master of one, but blah, blah. But but still, I wonder if it makes a bunch of texts that you're going to have some teams that are better suited to some stuff. If it wasn't just, if it's a certain stage client, right? A lot of enterprise divides their client based by the size of the client instead. Um, so you have a large client specialized team. Um, what's your view on that? Would you have, would you rather have a bunch of generalists on a team or like, how would you do that if you were building your MSP today? Yeah, I, I tried to have relatively general knowledge and if something very specific came up, you just engage someone from a different team. Um, part of that is the, the reality that most MSP clients don't need deep subject matter expertise on things all that often, right? It's, right. you know, everybody knows how to use your firewall. And if something really weird happens, yeah, maybe there's one expert on a different team who can help you out. Um, we, <clears throat> we, we, for a while separated it by vertical. Um, like if you were a healthcare client, you ended up all the healthcare, healthcare clients together and that, that worked okay. But eventually mm. we, we just tried the load balance between teams and, and didn't really, um, do that anymore and okay. just tried to keep the, the approximate workload the same. It, it really turned out that, um, when we constant when we concentrated all of our senior engineers on one team for like the really big hard difficult clients, um, yeah, it, it worked out and, and the small ones are okay. But what we found is that the employee development from working with those senior guys wasn't happening anymore. It was a big negative um, from not getting exposed to to the seniors often enough. So we mixed it back in. What do you think of this? With uh, Dina saying. Solve it the other way. All clients slowly work to be samesies, so you don't need uh, specialists. Um, I think that works at a smaller scale, and I, I recognize that Dean managed a very large MSP. Um, but I'm looking at like UT UDTs, Presidios, like the behemoth ones, and they absolutely have groups. It's hard when you have like a charter school division versus a medical division versus a college division. You know what I mean? Like there are certain things that those niches are going to need unique skills. Um, mm -hmm. And so like the way I approached it when I was doing my MSP was I went after verticals. I made sure we became the subject matter experts for vertical before moving to the next one. A, because it limited what we had to learn and how quickly we had to learn it. B, when we became the subject matter experts for a vertical, we'd have people in that vertical referring to us to other people in their, their networking groups. So it was a, you know, it, it was a uh, very symbiotic thing. Um, and it worked for us. I, I know some organizations do it, um, but I have always seen that everyone exactly the same paradigm as one of those 
things to kind of work towards but never expect to actually reach like you'll always have some exceptions right um there might be a specific need for something off standard at one environment or you know you take on a very large client and you know they're a vmware shop and yeah maybe at the next server upgrade you can convert them to hyper-v to make them the same as everyone else but um until that happens you need a vmware guy um so i i just see that as like yes in theory, we want everyone to be exactly the same, but in, in reality, I've never been able to get there, and I, I don't see that as a bad thing. I see that as one of those things just to kind of work towards and, and try to get as close as possible, but not necessarily realistic cookie-cutter environment. Yeah, no, I um, I, I agree. I it's There's some things that are maybe cookie-cutter as far as like some base components, but it seems to it does have it does vary uh eventually as you as you expand um let's see this one's kind of cool uh yeah we're burning through them a little more quickly today but you know these are i, I want to try a little different one day we're running out of threads then we'll have to one day <laughs> one day i don't know about today but one day <laughs> so all right so we got this one this is need some perspective on users that call incessantly uh, more of an event. I think I already know the answer. Fire the client, even though they are 4% of our revenue. What would you do with these people? What's the most professional way to try and kill this behavior? In this case, it isn't the owners of the company. We have a few users, all from the same company. Or they call our help desk repeatedly. They're by definition and even haircut. Uh, and <laughs> even by haircut, they're Karens. Two of the three Karens by are newer haircut. employees that were not there when I signed the contract with them. We used to just have them deal with one Karen at this client. They are well aware of the ways to gain support and act as if they're the most important people on the planet. Good for them, I guess. Um, they directly lead to internal process changes due to errors and arguments from them refusing to provide any information via email or ticket. Um, one argue with my tech for 15 minutes. Uh, the most recent new user misspelled over the phone. I heard the recording they did, sent a summary. It wasn't good enough. We weren't clear enough. It was our fault. Text keep their cool in the call in. Okay, so you get the gist. Annoying ass client. Um, we we refer to these as noisy talkers uh, and a few other not nice words. Um, Matt, there's no way in hell you worked at an MSP and didn't deal with this every once in a while. Oh, yeah. What? Uh, <clears throat> how did you handle stuff like this, or how would you handle stuff like this if you were faced with this today? So the the first question, and I think that post answered it is are they actually having legitimate issues all the time and if so then fix that um most of the time when we had this kind of client they didn't last long um and sometimes it was we fired them but sometimes it was just they were that client that churns through every msp in the city and we would deal with it to a point um if they were just calling a lot and not being disrespectful, then we'd probably be okay with it and probably raise prices if they lasted long enough to a price increase. Mm -hmm. um, most of the time, though, these guys just burn through every provider they can and leave on their own before too long, in, in my experience. My, um, my problem with this whole thread is that it starts at the top that management knows the owners know that there are pro these users are a problem. So when I see something like we had this issue and it's causing policy processes to be changed, why are managers or why are the owners 
allowing this to happen? Like, why is that not beating it? Because if you don't have executive adoption, you're not going to win any argument. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So, and if processes are going to be changed, are they being changed because the MSP is acquiescing to the Karens or because the owners are requiring them to acquiesce to the Karens? Um, because if it's the former, that's the MSP's fault. You know what I mean? And like, I'm not saying don't be flexible with people, but there are lines of what you'll accept and what you won't accept. Um, I'll give a good example. We have a client uh, that called us uh, recently and wanted to change the way we communicate with them. And they wanted to adjust us to adjust our entire policy just for them. And the answer was no. Um, really simply, if they want to let us know the request every time they request and we'll honor their request, but we're not adjusting our entire support process for one client. Um, mm -hmm. If it's the latter where management is forcing this on the MSP to just, you know, acquiesce to these, to these Karens, that's a larger problem in my opinion. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good point, right? Has there, has it even been brought up to the client, right? That there's this problematic user yeah. calling all the time. It sounds like no, based on this post. It, it, that's what it sounds like to me too. And then the other thing is, you know, I like to put it back in the, what works for the client. Do you realize you have your employee eating shit, harassing one of my texts for 15 minutes instead of doing their job? So that's, like, that's a really good point, right? Like you can tolerate noisy users, but you can't tolerate disrespect, right? Right. That, that's just not okay for your staff to get yelled at like that. That has to be addressed with the client. Like, I have no problem saying, look, I really want to help you. This is the way we need to help you. If you don't want to do it because it's inconvenient or you have other priorities, I completely respect that. Get back to us when you're ready to work on it. Mm -hmm. Put it on them. Like, I don't see the problem. I don't like this whole 50% care and tax BS. The whole, the client's not going to, we're going to have to uh, support an end of life software. So we're going to charge more client doesn't want backup. So we're going to charge more in advance. So, because we know we're going to have to remediate, it's our fault anyway. Like I'm just not don't a, together, right. If you get to that point, if you guys don't want to do business, don't do business. Yes. How hard is that? There's other clients. Um, we had an Amber factor. <laughs> she was the cause of 80% of their tickets. They didn't like the price increase and left. Uh, Amber you know what though, but maybe they could have kept them with a conversation, right. Instead of just turning right the price increase. That, that, that's the whole thing that kills me. I ignore my clients because they're emailing the wrong place. I, you know, I'm teaching them by slow answering or slow responding. Just face the conversation. It makes everybody's lives easier. Um, let's see. I would start by breaking down their MR, how many labor hours. I mean, I, to me, I mean, that's a factor maybe. Yeah. It never, it's never risen to me to the point where it was so negative. It was actually costing us money. I've never had that point. Frustration, 100%. But have you ever had like one of these Karens is actually like, okay, we're losing money because they call so much? Um, we had one that we did have unprofitable months on this client because they called so much and the, the volume was higher than we expected. Over the course of a year though, no. Yeah, I... um. Yeah. And, and even with that, like, even, you know, even when a project goes higher or something goes higher, you can still, you make it up over the other months. Like that's not a, yeah. it's not the end of the world. Now, if after a year you're still losing money, eh, that's a whole other problem. That's, that's a different conversation. 
I mean, that's um, such a good point, right? Like, it's why when you're doing projects, it's just not worth getting into arguments about like two hour change orders and things like that. You, yeah. you make it up over time. 100%. Um, Phil says every vulnerability needs a cute name. Uh, so you're, you're overruled, dude. Oh. <laughs> uh, Dean says, yes, we've had that. And keep in mind the soft factors. It lowers morale, productivity, which reduces efficiency on other clients. I agree 100%. 15 minutes with one is 15 minutes that you're not doing with the rest. Um, I'm 100% in agreement uh, on that. That's a really good point, right? You ever get to to the point where your your text see the caller ID and just like are overcome oh, yeah. with this, <clears throat> this sense of dread? Like, okay, somebody's got to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, I've been through that myself. Uh, it does suck. Um, and it, it does lead to slower support um, and yeah. absolutely tear on morale. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have onboarding, bleh, team meetings. I like team meetings. It's, it can be a source of productivity or a source of drain. Um, what do you say? We cover this one as our last let's story? Let's do it. Sure. All right. So team meetings. Hi, MSPs of Reddit. I have a couple questions surrounding team meetings, trying to gauge where other people sit versus my thoughts on the matter. My team of second and third line engineers don't answer calls. We are more infrastructure support team, so deal with system alerts escalation. How often are you having meetings just weekly, huddles, monthlies? Are they mandatory? Obviously, sick, uh, authorized leave exempt. What I mean by this is BAU customer calls okay to be scheduled over the meetings. Can people skip if they feel like it? Is there an agenda? Is <laughs> If there is an agenda, what does it look like? Lots of really solid questions. Is it manager heavy with little interaction from the team members? Does everyone contribute? If you have remote workers joining, are cameras optional required? Uh, there's a lot to unpack here. I'm glad I started this one early. No kidding. Um, let's go from the first. Meetings and their frequency. I, I'm going to take this department by department because there's no way. Every department's a little bit different, right? Your finance yeah. team, your admin team, your ops team. They're going to have different needs. Let's, I guess, let's focus on tech since he talked about second and third tier. Um, let's talk about tech. How do you feel about meetings with tech specifically? So, what, what we started doing was um, 15 minutes stand up every morning. And if you were in the office, you were right in the, the common area with the camera and mic. And otherwise, you called in to the meeting, like on your way in to work or wherever you were going. Um, and did not have very often all hand, all department, all tech meetings aside from that. Maybe individual teams would have a weekly or biweekly meeting. Um, that was mostly to say, hey, I'm going to be on site today. I'm dealing with this, right? So everybody kind of knew what was going on. Hmm. So we do... Uh... Our cadence is at a company level, we do daily stand-up company-wide. Now, we're only we're under 50 people. It's not that hard to do. It's a quick 10-minute thing uh, at 8.30 in the morning. Um, we do have a, a presentation deck that we make. We rotate through the company. People do it. Different people do it, but everybody has to do it. Um, and we go over stuff like important topics, but also like you know, what day of the national holiday, national days, joke of the day, you know, um, any social stuff we have coming up, like, you know, we try to keep mm -hmm. it well-rounded, not boring. Um, and, you know, cover business topics. Then my teams do a, we call it schedule review. Um, that is a quick fire. Do you have any questions, any challenges? 
go on with life and my teams go and then they peel off and the next one comes in, they peel off. Um, yeah. You know, it works really well for us. Uh, and then each department has a department weekly meeting. That's not to say they don't do other stuff, but they have a, a weekly department meeting with an agenda. The agenda has to be posted 24 hours in advance or at least a business day in advance. Everybody mm -hmm. gets asked for the topics, but it's posted there so we know what to prepare for and what to have the conversation on. Um, and that's worked well for most departments, including tech. Um, yeah. Not perfect, but it, you know, it works. The, the stand-up uh, is the most important part, uh, yeah. I think. The um, So we, we were in eos company right and so the department meetings were all l10 meetings and some techs had trouble with that it became yeah. like very complicated and too structured um that part didn't go as well yeah we um so it's funny because uh obviously i i own msp media network as well the team there we just revised the training structure because uh simon actually brought up a good point um they're creatives and they need to collaborate and spitball stuff that's not ready for my consumption yet as the boss, but they need a space to be able to do that. So I used to join their schedule reviews. Now I'm only joining once or twice a week. Um, mm -hmm. They leave the channel open and they just have conversations. Dean's team does the same thing. They, have, they leave the channel open in the morning and just talk if they want to, but they're also working as they're talking. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of cool. Um, the techs use Gather. Uh, have you ever seen Gather? That, that's something Ashley Cooper put me onto. Yes, um, we used it at Gradient. Yeah, um, that's exactly. Yeah. Um, so for anybody that hasn't seen Gather, uh, very cool. How would you describe Gather? I was trying to describe this to one of my teams this week. It looks like I was failing. It looks like an old like Super Mario game that you can walk around in, and when yeah. you get to the the same spot like you a slack huddle opens up yeah it's uh it's interesting you can build different worlds uh yeah, i'm gonna block that for now um and you build your office space this was actually one of my techs uh had been to my office he works remotely but he'd been in miami for uh, a conference and from that one time he visited my office he he built my office here <laughs> and gather um, yeah it's very cool you know, uh, let me see where no SSO, at least at the time that really annoyed no, me. No, no SSO, um, very weak API. Uh, I would, it would have been nice because we have automation right now in teams where, um, which I'm call it, uh, if we start working a ticket, we mark it in progress. It puts the note in teams in the channel. This ticket's been marked in progress as a client name type, subtype item and, and priority. And, uh, that's pretty cool. I'd love to be able to do that if they're working in Gather. Um, you know, so we have the unified communication everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, Gather was not uh, capable of it. Um, so here's Ash in a room. The way it works is as you get closer, you can see it popped up. Oh, no, you can't see it on your screen. Um, but it pops up at the top, uh, her video and audio, and we can start talking. And so if I'm out here, I can't actually hear her. But if I'm in here, I can. Um, yeah. So that it's really cool. I, I kind of it, like it's... it. It's nice if you're, especially for like an all remote company, you know, yeah. like at Gradient, some of us had never even met each other yeah. and it was nice. It felt like you were at an office walking the hallways and, you know, the, the pop in kind of meetings that I think are productive, often more productive than scheduled meetings. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. It's, 
Uh, it was very cool. Um, it was something I enjoyed uh, using a lot. I stopped. The techs still do on occasion. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, as a collaboration tool. It was it was kind of cool. So let's go through here. Uh, what else did we miss here from this gentleman? I think we only answered the first bullet point. Yeah. So we have. Uh, so we got cadence. Are they mandatory? Um, can somebody duck out if they have a meeting, something scheduled? They have a ticket. I mean, are they mandatory? What's your What's your take on this? Like, I, kind of yes, but we're not taking attendance or anything, and. You know, we're, we're adults. If you have to, you know, an important phone call comes in, go outside the meeting and deal with whatever's going on. I um, just heard a, saw a really bad joke on our, one of my discords. <laughs> um, I re, I'm going to rename my iPod the Titanic. So whenever whenever I plug it in, it says the Titanic is sinking. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, so my... I follow Steve, uh, the Steve Jobs methodology. Um, Steve Jobs was notorious for being ruthless about only allowing people in meetings that had something to contribute to the meeting. Um, so I go over this with my, my during the CEO expectations call with uh, new staff of if you're scheduled for a meeting, I expect you there. I expect you on time, if not early. I expect you paying attention because you have something to contribute to the meeting. If the meeting's a waste of your time, get the fuck out. Tell the team, hey, I have something more important to do. You don't need me. Do you need anything? Get out. Go do your thing. Um, but uh, it, it falls under expectation setting, right? Like, don't schedule yourself for a meeting and then double book and then don't tell anybody you're not showing up at the meeting. The department meetings are mandatory. Um, but we do everything highly scheduled. Um, the chance of double booking is not, is not going to yeah. happen. Um, meeting agenda, 100%. What elements do you you know, in your tech meetings, what, you know, I know you talked about not making it over structured, um, but did you have stuff that you covered? The big thing that was on the agenda were either things that you needed help on from the team, not from an individual, or right? go talk to them directly if you need help from them. But if you're looking to solicit ideas um, or if there's some kind of meta department like issue, um, you want to deal with scheduling or have a procedural question or there's something that you feel isn't working. Um, what, what we tried really hard not to do during the team meetings, because that was part of the standups was just to give updates on stuff that's going on. Yeah. Right. And unless there was some like action item that got carried over from next meeting. Um, and remember like we were for all L10 meetings, right? So there were, did you get this stuff done? Yes. Move on. Um, yeah. that kind of stuff. But, it should really be things that needed the input of the team. And, and that that's what, what I stressed. Like, don't, don't come in and say, Hey, uh, Hey Matt, I have this problem with you. Come talk to me directly. Um, th that's the agenda. Soft, yeah. soft agenda. Ours, ours isn't much different. Um, covering stuff that may have been challenges during the week. So we can, you know, identify and share with the entire team. So they have those same skills too. Um, I, identifying and planning out stuff that's uh, scheduled for the future. Um, so stuff, if another department's making big changes that may affect the tech team, stuff like that, um, or the tech mm. team has some migration coming up or some, you know, stuff to get everybody on the same page. Um, but I, I personally feel a well-run meeting can go fairly quickly, um, but don't yeah. include anything 
that could have been an email or a team's message. Um, so kind of raise the bar a little bit for what's on the agenda. Uh, mm. Manager heavy. With oh, I definitely have opinions here. Manager heavy with little interaction from the team members or does everybody contribute? Uh, Matt, you go first because I have some opinions. So as far as I'm concerned, like maybe there's a section that the manager has to give some team-wide updates. But other than that, the manager's only role is to facilitate the meeting. I, I want everyone contributing during this. And it should be a discussion, not a lecture. Yeah, I... Um... So I, I don't remember where I learned this from. I'm definitely not smart enough to come up with it on my own. Um, but we've all been in meetings where somebody's just talking, basically lecturing, and everybody else is just their eyes glazed over. Or especially online meetings, you can tell they're checking their their phone or something else. Um, we to combat that, I make everybody. I make sure they're all involved, right? So um, I won't. I will call on people during a meeting to have them, you know, give feedback. Um, and it's never the same people in the same order. Um, I have certain people because they have to, um, if it's stuff that's general knowledge, I will require people to discuss it themselves instead of the manager doing it. Um, and it keeps them on their toes and they kind of have to pay attention. It's not an optional thing. Um, so, you know, they, there's nothing they can do. Uh, or it's not nothing they can do, but they have to pay attention better said. That sounds so You ominous. make them participate, right? Like yeah. if, if, if it's just you talking about stuff, it goes back to your point. It could have been an email. Yeah. Yeah, it gets boring, right? Um, so if you have workers joining, are cameras optional required? <sighs> um, they're, they're kind of required. Um, I do not like people who don't go on camera during that. You're not going to get kicked out of the meeting, most likely. But if it, if it's a habit where you're frequently not on camera, um, it, it is going to be a conversation later. I, I really want everyone to be there and present. Yeah, we we require it. Um, we require it because it's there's certain things you only get uh, when you're looking at somebody's physical response. Um, you know, you can tell if they're confused or if they're not understanding something or if they disagree with something. Um, obviously some people are more expressive than others, but you know, it also, you can tell when there's attention, where there's not attention. So we require them on, it also helps you kind of humanize the other person on the other side of the, especially video calls. Um, yeah. you know, we, like you, we have staff members that have never met in person. Um, but when you see each other, you look in each other's eyes, um, uh, you know, staring longingly No, but seriously, like, <laughs> you know, you look into each other's eyes and, and, you know, it, you develop a connection that you're not just not going to get by text or just by voice yeah. only. Um, and, so, and just yeah. be, be smart about it. Right. Like if the doorbell rings or like you're at home sick, just say, Hey, no camera today because I'm right. like sick or like I had five minutes to eat lunch and I have to eat during the meeting. Like just be a grown up about it. Yeah. <clears throat> and no, I, I mean, yeah, you got, I say required, but yeah, there's always exceptions, of course. Um, <clears throat> let's see how Reddit responded. <clears throat> Actually, Reddit first response is from Dean. So <laughs> let's see how Dean responded. You should always have an agenda, even if it's the same agenda and it's one sentence, even for huddles. Yep. Do a 10 <clears throat> level 10 meeting for my US or lean team meeting, any sort of official meeting format, but you're going to need an agenda for all of them. I'd start here. If you want, start a five minute start of uh shift huddle everyone shares a stress level on scale one to five 
then gives a quick overview of what they have on deck for the day can be that simple. Um, stress level is interesting. I like the that. stress level is interesting. So, uh, Alex on my team, we don't. Um, now I'm gonna ask Dean why we don't, um, <laughs> because he leads his department meeting every morning. Um, Alex had also brought up something cool where with her, we just brought on two more BDRs and with her two hires, she asked them, what workplace traumas did you have at your previous employment that we should think about here? Um, and I thought that was a very interesting and empathetic question. She said both the, uh, both the women um, responded positively and they absolutely have stuff to had stuff to share. Um, so since I'm more, <laughs> You know, I'm very much more, you know, uh, left brain folk or whatever, the more logical, you know, structured person. I'm meat potatoes, so I'm not going to ask questions like stress, stress level unless you, you know, bring up the idea to me because I will never come up with that on my own. Um, yeah, same here. But, but I love seeing stuff like that. You know what I mean? I think that's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. Self is very often self stress is very often self inflicted. The challenge with that is most people don't recognize that they're causing the stress on themselves. Um, and I think that's where most people end up needing help. Um, and I, I'd still want to hear it to find those few yeah. cases where the issue is that they legitimately are overloaded or, you know, they, they have too many tickets assigned or something like that. So we can address that. Yeah, no, I, um, I agree hundred percent. I mean, it's, you want to create openings as management, you want to create openings for your team to communicate with you. Right. Um, and sometimes that involves asking questions they're not going to identify on their own. Um, we're not saving lives. We overstate our value. We think we're wearing capes, saving the world, taking a breath, keep life in perspective, and simply be honest. Um, it's funny. I had this exact conversation with Dean or with somebody on my team. I forgot if it was Dean or it was somebody else. But I had the exact conversation of I don't get – I get stressed like anybody else. I don't panic. Um, yes, I've never panicked. I just, that's not in my DNA. Um, you know, I get, that's not everybody, uh, that may even be a little psychopathic. I get it. It's just, it's not my, it's not my response. Um, which works because I've worked in legit life or death. I worked nine 11. I worked, you know, uh, you know, so I have worked with real life and death emergencies. So kind of when I see stuff like this, I can't print. It's the end of the world. My business is going to stop. Okay, we'll help you. It's urgent. It's not an emergency. Um, so, you know, uh, and I will say maybe it, uh, it's a benefit to be able to be desensitized a little bit. Not saying you don't need empathy, but you can't drown with them. You know what I mean? The, that perspective is something that just comes with experience. Um, almost everyone who I've met early in their careers and who came in like fresh out of school has in that the world is going to end if I don't get this ticket closed or this password reset. And after you've done this a while, you just start to, you start to get it and put it into perspective. Yeah. But I, I think it's one of those things that no matter how often you say it, you just can't get it until you get the experience and realize it yourself. Well, there's also the, the counterpoint. You don't want to lose your empathy, right? You don't want to become, um, Un, unfeeling unsympathetic um because we can get jaded i mean especially responding to a lot of the shit we deal with we can get jaded very very easily especially when we feel like clients aren't listening going back to that previous uh you know you got the karen's yeah. the previous thread um those old bofh 
things. Yeah. It's hard though, right? It's hard to like, have you found any like, because we all get frustrated. We all get pissed off. But I, I want to end this on a positive note. Do you have any like go-to methods when you get frustrated with a client to give you that moment of breath before you respond back? So you're not just saying, hey, you bastard, but you're actually being productive. So what I tell clients, or not clients, what I tell employees, like if you need to vent and blow off some steam, like come to my office and do it. Like seriously, um, come yell at me yeah, and let it out and then go call the client back. I, it's funny. I've told, uh, both staff members and clients that, um, I get the benefit that I work with a lot of, uh, well, the same thing you do. We work with a lot of MSPs, um, that, you know, that a lot of them are good friends. Um, but you know, the, everybody gets frustrated and, uh, and I've said like, yell at me. I don't mind being the punching bag. I, it will rush off my back within 30 minutes. I promise. Um, but I'd rather take it, let you vent and then go on and be productive than do something. And I tell my staff all the time, like I will protect my staff before anybody else, you know, with the exception of family, but I will protect my staff first, even over clients, but don't, if you lose your temper, if you start cursing at them, if you lose your shit, you remove any support I could possibly give because you're just as wrong as they are at that point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Take the high road, let it out on <clears> me. <throat> I will absolutely have your back, but we can't also be wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, and that's hard. That's really hard in that moment. Um, I used to put callers on hold. Like if I had, uh, and this was a 9-11 too. It's actually something they taught us. Um, but when you have somebody that's just going all in and refusing to acknowledge anything you're saying, there's nothing wrong with just putting them on hold. Let them, they will stop because you're shocking their system. They might also get pissed off. But, you know, you give it 10, 15 seconds, bring them back, remind them you're trying to help them. You know, sir, ma'am, I'm trying to help you, but we have to be able to communicate to do this. I understand you're frustrated. I want to help you. I want to get it resolved. We have certain things we need to get done. Um, and that's not easy. It's really easy to say it now. It's not easy to do it, but, uh, it's important. You know what I mean? And if it's, you do uh, that, don't trust the mute button. Yes. So <laughs> we had a, I've burned my, I've been burned so many times with this. We had a mute button, uh, physical switch on our headsets at the uh, police department. We got really good at like, you know, thank you for all my police department. Uh, this is whatever Ray badge number, whatever. You know, uh, what's going on? Oh, I've been shot. I've been stabbed. And, you know, mute ourselves. Yeah, everybody has. What's going on? You know, but I've been burned by the switch didn't work or I didn't flip it the direction I thought I was flipping it, um, which is probably why you see me muted all the time now. <laughs> so often, <because laughs> right? I'd rather be muted than be, uh, you know, say something stupid. Um, all right. That's not a bad episode today. Uh, Covered, some, covered more topics than last week. Uh, I still think we got to do deep dive into all of them uh, in a meaningful way and uh, wasn't too bad. Uh, anything else you want to you wanna say before we uh, take off? Let our lovely nope. people have the rest of their Friday. Read only no, Friday. No, enjoy your weekend. Uh, you know, look for more info on the, the IT Nation fundraiser stuff coming out next week and I uh, hope to see some of you there. Yeah, as soon as it's out, we'll put it on the MMN Discord as well. Put it out on MMN Social's um matt do you have a twitter or an x or whatever we're supposed to call it i think i technically do and have never posted anything i can't get into mine i have at ray rossini and i can't get into mine uh because it has my real estate email um so like what are you that's gonna, fun. hey just found a really good parking spot <laughs> there you go um all right ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for watching it was fun 
Uh, oh, there you go. Let's. Uh, we're donating to support <laughs> my son, a veteran, Sean Lardo. Sean Lardo is absolutely a, a army veteran. Yeah. Um, used to jump out of planes. Uh, I think he still does for fun. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun. We'll abs- OIT myself, MMN will absolutely be supporting that. Uh, but until next time, everybody, take care of yourselves and each other. This has been a broadcast of the MSP Media Network.